TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 574, and I'm Libby, your host. And this week, we have returning guests. Hi, I'm Tom, and I chair the communication department at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Six Degrees of Geek. All right, let's start off, start off with the news. Tom, what you got? ABC has picked up Grey's Anatomy Season 20. Oh, with, good Lord! With new Sorry. showrunner Meg Marinus and without uh, Ellen Pompeo. So that'll be interesting. I guess they couldn't just call it Anatomy. Um, <laughs> Amazon has announced the Butch and Sundance series with Regé Jean Page and Glenn Powell has tapped Alex Metcalf to co-show run with Kaz and Ryan Firpo. And Devil's Hour Season 2 has cast Saffron Hawking from Top Bay as a lead. Uh, Disney Plus has acquired Mobile 201, a Nokia Story limited series. Interesting choice, Disney. Uh, but more interesting is they also announced that the Daniels have had previously directed an episode of Skeleton Crew prior to their Oscar wins. Uh, Fox has picked up Accused for Season 2 and also Alert Missing Persons Unit for Season 2. Snooze, snooze, snooze. <laughs> I was going to say, who knew those were on? Uh, Netflix has announced that John Spates, who co-wrote Dune and Doctor Strange, to write the Gears of War movie. And Christina Millian is going to executive produce and star in Meet Me Next Christmas holiday rom-com film. Uh, Peacock has announced that Eddie Redmayne will lead the Day of the Jackal limited series that's co-produced with Sky. And finally, Showtime has canceled the L World Generation Q. However, creator Eileen Chaikin is working on the L World New York, which will be a reboot of the original series. Oh, good lord. So they found that the first reboot didn't work, so they're going to reboot it again? But this is going to be a reboot of the original. <laughs> oh, well, that makes all the difference. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's move on to the shows. First up, we're going to wa- talk about The Rookie. And this episode was doppelgangers all around. It was goofy. Uh, it was absolutely goofy, but the doppelgangers have always been goofy. So other th- okay, so originally the doppelgangers, their entire point was to get Chen and Tim together and give them an excuse to go undercover together and make out. Now they pretty much have put the kibosh in the doppelgangers. So they killed one and then the other Damn. one is <laughs> Dim, which I think is a great name. I thought they were like can you just name people like insults? And they're like, eh, cops have a weird sense of well, humor. Hers was juicy, which is like, ooh. I know. All their nicknames were just not, were very derogatory. So, uh, but it was still, I, I mean, no, the episode was not great. Like, no. not even a little bit, but it was slightly amusing. How about that? I, I mean, the weird thing about it is, and this is something the rookie does, but especially this episode, you've got this weird, you know, humorous plot line 
punctuated by, you know, pretty solid violence, which is like tone mismatch. And boy, Nathan Fillion must be loving getting that fat paycheck to do very Nothing. little work in the episode. <laughs> this was a very light Nathan Fillion episode. Yeah, I think he had like very, he's, he guarded a door, I think, and then... And he shot those segments with uh, 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 Jenna Dewan. Oh, when they were, because it's a documentary, so he did yeah, a documentary yeah. segment. And I that just, was pretty much it, yeah. I just thought it was, ugh, what is this? Ugh, whatever. I mean, I just saw it as them getting rid of the doppelgangers, just like, so they're not just floating around. Um, and it did have a good mystery. They were like, how did this guy disappear and end up dead four hours later? So that part was kind of interesting. And I followed the story enough to understand everything that happened. But then at the very end, I was like, wait, okay, so who killed who? <laughs> I thought for sure it was going to be the rich people. That, you know, I did they, too. But that was a good red herring because they felt it was like a good the red obvious. Herring. Yeah. I, well, felt I, just like thought, they, I just thought it was the whole episode. I just thought it was very waffered. Yeah. I wish you'd written. Somebody else would watch Will Trent because that was a pretty good episode. But okay, was, well I'll watch it next time. Not so much. I know the Rookie is comfort food for me, so I was like, ah, I don't have anything to watch tonight. I guess I'll watch the Rookie. All right, let's move on. Uh, next up, we're gonna talk Star Trek Picard, and what is this episode six? Bounty. Episode six, Bounty. This had so much fan service in it. And they, I saw they're talking about it. It was like, we had to find the balance between fan service and story. I was like, you guys just went all out fan service because <laughs> it was there. They had so many Easter eggs in this episode, just just piles. One of my friends called me. He was like, that was the uh, Genesis device. I was like, it was. And he was like, yes. And I was like, did you I see Kirk's body? That. And I was like, did you see Kirk's body? He's like, there was a there, Kirk's body was there. And I was like, that, so that I doing that. I'm like, please don't. I, well, um, Allison didn't talk about Rookie, so let her take the lead up. Go ahead. Go ahead, Allison. Uh, no, I, I, I really enjoyed the episode. And I was going through it, like, as soon as they started going through the museum, um, I, I just had to keep pausing and rolling it back and going, yeah, it was the same thing, like, Genesis device, and oh, there's this, and there's, you know, and oh, the, the attack dribble was really weird. The attack dribble was great. <laughs> was, especially, you know, when it went after Worf. Was Worf, pretty yeah. Funny. yeah. Yeah. Um, but all of, all of that was really good. Um, I, I, you know, the, the, they're just packing so much into these episodes and particularly this one, it's like, you know, they, they okay, we're going to have Moriarty in this and we're going to have data. Oh my goodness. And we're going to have this. And it, it was like, it's like, oh my God, you know, and then we're going to introduce Jordy and his family. Um, and it, I mean, wow. Okay. There was a lot. But they, I have to say, with all those ships, all the ships that they showed, I was like, okay, no, that ship, no, that ship. And it was like the New Jersey. I was like, the New Jersey? I was like, did I miss some Star Trek? Like, yeah, I didn't heck? remember the New Jersey. It, you're not supposed to. It's it's a homage to the showrunner. He was born and raised in New Jersey. So, okay. And then the ship's code was either the year he was born or his zip code. I can't remember which, but it, it was an homage to the showrunner. Oh, did, we there, weren't supposed to know that. So. One Easter egg among the ships, there was a refit in X01 Enterprise from the show Enterprise. I figured it had to because that thing went down right. in flames. 
right, right, right. I do remember that. <laughs> so yeah, so that, and then they showed the Defiant and all this other stuff, and I liked the uh, Bird of Prey. And then they're like, "Let's steal the cloaking device." And I was like, "Doesn't the Defiant also have a cloaking device? Why didn't they steal that one?" I feel like that would have been an easier one to one. Yeah, but they had to bring up the the bounty, and it, oh yeah, that's the whale thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I understood that they brought it up, but I'm like, when you're deciding to steal a cloaking device, why not steal the Defiance cloaking device? I, that's that's my entire point. Just integrated yeah. with Federation tech, they don't have to. I think that's yeah. probably yeah. That that's that's a little bit of a plot hole. Yeah, because I was like, it would have been easier to connect. They're just like one to one. Just take it out, put it in there, boom, good to go. But you, then you wouldn't have the scene where Jordy finally decides to cooperate, which was really cool. Him not cooperating at the beginning, I, I thought that you know his prior, and I liked how thrown off Picard was. He was like, "Wait, you're not being loyal and just doing what I asked no, you to do." No, he's being a dad, actually. <laughs> I know, and I thought that was great, and I liked how angry Jordy was. He was like, "You brought this danger to my door," <laughs> and he's like, "Oh." Yeah, I guess I can see how you'd be mad about that. <laughs> you know, so that was pretty good. And I like the sisters. I like their relationship. Also, now I'm going to tell, I'm going to say it. I'm shipping Jack and whatever. What's the older sister's name? Blanking. Oh. Uh, we were just calling her LaForge. So I was trying to distinguish. <laughs> Sydney. I was trying to distinguish. Sydney. Sydney. Okay. So, because he was flirting hard. Jack was flirting hard well, with her. flirting hard enough to make daddy say stop. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know, you know, you know what I, know. I just... What I really loved about this, Todd, uh, Todd Stashwick's character, um, his, you know, he's been so just, just absolutely awful to oh, you Picard about, and you talking about Shaw, right? Oh. Yeah. The, okay, the, thank you. He's and he's, um, he's, he's just been absolutely awful to Picard and to Riker, and he couldn't care less about you know their statuses as idols and heroes for everybody else. But he just completely disintegrated into fanboy <laughs> geekdom for Jordy. I mean, he was like, I'm like every fan I've ever seen at a convention. It was just so funny to watch. <laughs> well, it was so great. Also, was Jordy was like, yeah, 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 dude. Like, calm down. <laughs> he was like, yeah. And he was like, look, he was like, we got stuff going. We got an emergency happening right now. I, I ain't got time to deal with you. But it was a great um, scene. That was just a nice yeah, touch. Good. Yeah, Mr. Grease Monkey Engineer. Yeah, that mm -hmm. it makes sense though. I think mm -hmm. that's whole like it's a nice payoff for that. Uh now we're left, we find out at the we get uh we swap out Riker for data. And I was like, was that a good trade? They were like, Oh, well, it's, it's a good trade, you know. I was like, uh, ah, because data's not really working and well, it's not we lost data. Riker. It's it's like yes. you know, you know, untested Sung Android. It's kind of schizo because he's got the different right. personalities. He's got like four personalities going on in there. So I, Man, that's why I was like, a wild was, card. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, that's not a good trade. Like, because I think that's what um, Worf was like. We have we have made a good trade, and I was like, no, you haven't. That was a terrible trade. Um, but it was. It's good to see Data as Data, at least when he was data for like five minutes before he turned to lore and turned to all the other people but as because we really haven't the he had the hologram data that still didn't quite feel like data and that moment when jordy saw him i was like oh they're besties and so seeing that was really good and i think jordy and data i appreciate appreciate them together more than i do picard and data because oh, yeah. they, they it's a totally different relationship 
So I was much more excited to see him and Jordy together. Um, so yay! Um, there's just so much going on, and then we find out that Picard's body is what they stole because it's more dangerous than like a portal device. Yeah, no, I'm and trying to figure that one out because here's like, my how? theory. Here's here's my theory on why they need Jack. Whatever tech that they pulled, because they keep talking about how Picard was the most infamous Borg. And I think, if I recall correctly, they didn't pull all his Borg implants out. They pulled out no, they as didn't. many as they could. And I'm figuring they there's something in him that they pulled out of his body, but it's genetically synced or something. And so they need Jack to unlock it. That is my theory. Hmm. I don't know if I'm anywhere near to correct, but that is that is the theory that I have purported now. That's so a reasonable let's see sounding if... theory. That sounds good. So there we go. Yay! And, and Crusher was the one who deborgified him. Right. So she should be the one to help them figure out what the heck could be still in him that that everybody wants. But it is super creepy that that uh, Section Thirty One is just keeping dead bodies of people. I like, thought it was super creepy when they came across Kirk's stuff. It's like, okay, so they go back to that planet that nobody really cares about to grab his body after he gets crushed by a bridge. Real low tech, by the way. And I just thought, huh? Well, I mean, I figure that was supposed to give us an inclination. That was like a, a hint to let us go, oh, if they've, if they've captured Kirk's body, then it makes sense that they have Picard's body. So I think that was supposed to be like an indicator uh, or setup. Breadcrumbs, as Yusin likes to say. I will call a technical foul on uh -oh. using Deanna as a hostage. I'm like, oh, come on. How? Well, my first thought was, no. how do we know that's Deanna? Because they're changelings. I would be like, show me proof that this is really Deanna. But I'm pretty sure it's supposed to really be her because they say at the beginning, go find their weaknesses, people that would help them. And right. when Picard was in trouble before, he went to Deanna. So that makes sense. Um, but the odds of them having captured Deanna and then have then captured Riker, <laughs> it's like, what are the odds of them managing to do that? But um, the good thing is Riker has no idea where they're going. Like, he has no clue. They didn't even know where they would be going next because they didn't know what the big secret was. So Riker really doesn't have any information to betray uh, in that regards. But uh, yeah, I don't know where it's going. I, what I love is I have no idea what's happening next. Like I don't have a clue where this is going, what the conflict is necessarily going to be. Um, yeah, I can't predict it. And that's fantastic. And it's not like I can't predict it because it's bad. I can't predict it because they're doing such a good job. So anyway, so thumbs up for me. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Uh, next up, we're going to talk shrinking. And this was the season finale. I'm pretty sure we said it got renewed for season two, right? Yeah, it's already been picked up. Excellent. So this was the season finale of one. Which is good because it had a nice cliffhanger, which I saw coming. And a I was literal cliffhanger. Right, and I was yelling at um God Jason's character. What is his, his character's name? Good Lord, Jimmy. Jimmy. I was yelling at him because he's sitting in the room with this woman, 
and he's congratulating her on her on being strong. And she talks about her fantasy of throwing her boyfriend off a cliff. And he's like, oh, this makes you strong. I was like, no, this is a red flag, guy. Like, yeah. And I, and I thought that I was like, dude, like, why are you not grabbing on? It was like he was so happy that she finally realized that this guy was bad news, that he's not seeing the big honking red flag of her talking about having fantasies of killing her boyfriend. And then we end the episode with her killing her boyfriend. (laughs) Isn't it her her husband? Uh, No, he's no, it's her boyfriend. Um, I I thought they telegraphed. I mean, they they weren't trying to hide it. So, you know, I just, uh, I don't know how I feel about that because. It it makes sense because there's a reason why therapists don't do what he did. As evidenced by her throwing her husband off a cliff. Um, Because he says it at the end where he's like, I'm so lucky that this did not end terribly. And uh, Harrison Ford's character is like, yeah, man, you are so lucky. And then, of course, they cut to that. But other than that big dramatic plot twist at the end, the episode, I thought, wrapped everything up really well. Like all the other storylines wrapped up in a really satisfying way. I thought it was funny that Derek knew that G- Gabby and Jimmy were buddy were uh were Oh right. Oh, I was buddy. like, "Oh, that's right. He saw them when he was out. That's right. I forgot about that. That happened way back several episodes." Oh yeah. So I, for- I actually forgot that he knew. But the fact that Liz didn't know. <laughs> I know, and they're her and Gabby are besties, yeah. Well, new besties. Yes, yes. But she, got she, got rock, she got a rock. She got a yeah, rock. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, oh, and I liked her now as her new bestie status. She went up to Harrison Ford and like told him about himself. And that was a good speech. That was good. Because everything they said was true. Yep. Yeah, so, and I liked that he was like, you know what? You guys are all right about me. I, I guess I should do some. And, and I think what's interesting is during the season – it didn't bump me that he was so different to Gabby than to Jimmy up until when she asked for the recommendation, he was like, whatever, write it. I'll sign it. Or you sign it, whatever. And he walks out. I was like, dude, that was rude. And then I was like, she drives you to work every day. And I, I did think that that was rude. That was the only time where I was just like, dude, why are you so mean to her? But it was. I liked how they pointed out everything he's done to her all season that was subtle, and and I was like, oh, that's pretty good. So yeah, I loved how that all came together. I thought that was fantastic. And plus, there was a lot of reality in that. I mean, there was. Oh yeah. It, there was. There were so many textures in that, especially Liz pointing out Liz, an Anglo woman, pointing out to the Anglo male that you are not using your privilege to help her appropriately. <laughs> and she deserves and, it. She's done a lot of stuff for you personally that she didn't yep. have to. It was not in the job description. Yep. So, yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and pointing out how, and I like that Jimmy was the one that pointed out how differently he treats the two of them. Mm-hmm. He's like, you go out of your way to help me, but what have you done for her? Like nothing. 
He has gone out of his way, not at all, to even train her. And that's his job. He's the senior therapist. Yep. He's supposed to be helping to train her. And he hasn't done any of that. And um, that was really well done. So that was kudos. And I like the wedding. The wedding was great. The wedding, the wedding was fun. I, I yeah. had my doubts whether Jimmy was going to be able to get through it. <laughs> Which was the point. They they made you have doubts. Like They, they, they very obviously set him up to... You didn't know which way this was going to... And then when he starts the wedding ceremony talking about his wife's death, I was like, oh, this is not going well. You know, um, I liked... he brought it back around. And he brought it back around. I was like, ooh, that's close. You know? And then the dad, I liked how they had the conversation with the dad about he was basically pretending to accept his gay son, like, at least putting a face on it. But... I liked when you dug just a little deeper, you realized he was really not accepting. And I liked the conversation that they had with him too. That was pretty good. Ooh. So like all of it, all of it I thought was great, except for the whole, and I mean, except for the actual extra drama that they put in at the end. I think it was, um, Liz is a character. I mean, I think Chris, speaking of nepotism, I mean, obviously Kristen Miller is married to the showrunner. However, comma, she's good. And she's very Liz, good. Yeah. The, the fact that Liz is completely self-aware that she's a lot, but, she, <laughs> but she's got a good heart. And she yes. really does go the extra mile for her friends, whether it be whether it be Sean, whether it be Gabby. <laughs> she dogs her husband out though. <laughs> oh, but I like their relationship because she dogs him out and he does the reverse back to her, but their banter feels kind of still loving you know mm -hmm. like you don't really feel like they kind of say that they don't like each other but you don't feel that they don't like each other if that makes sense so yeah. they yeah their banter's pretty good and he's like hi you thought i wouldn't learn anything by peeing it's like don't you wish that i hadn't peed outside all the time or something she's like no <laughs> you should not be peeing outside Oh, and, and, the, then, and, and the running gag about the $7,000 toilet with the bun warmer. <laughs> <laughs> but I also like the part was, she was like, wait a minute. She's like, so you watched them have sex? He was like, uh, yeah. She goes, did you film it? And he goes, I'm not a pervert. And then she was like, okay, it's fair. <laughs> so that was really great. Um, so I like how honest they are with each other. I think that's the key to their relationship is the ultimate honesty. honesty. Yeah, that they well, just like when he told her episodes ago that once he now that he's retired, she needs to get out of the house. Yeah, because her whole thing is she's like, I need alone time. He's like, I understand that, but it's my turn to be in the house. And I was like, Yeah, that that seems fair, you know. And she's like, oh, That is fair. Um, but I'm gonna direct this directly to Allison, who refused to watch this show until we got to the end of season one, and it ended fantastic. It was definitely two thumbs up and like an A. So overall, great. He, Jason Siegel did not crash this plane. So and the supporting cast is really strong. Harrison Ford really impressed me. Like I would think that I've been fully impressed by Harrison Ford by this point in my life, but I have to say his comic comedic timing on this show really impressed me. It's like, a shame I, that more people did not take advantage of it when he was in the leading male, male age range. You know, now right, he's like, a statesman, but man, they missed the boat because, I mean, and, and people knew about it. It's just that they didn't cast him in good movies where he could play comic lead. 
Yeah, so his his comedic timing is so amazing on this show, and I really, I have a completely new respect for him in that regard. All right, let's move on. Uh, next up, we're gonna talk Ted Lasso, and we're episode two, three, two, two, three or two. two. Okay, so I mean. <sighs> I was of the mind that Rupert was going to get this Zappa goofy character because she kept saying, you're jinxing it. You're jinxing it. She's told he's totally going to get him. And then when she finally is like, you know what? I'm going to go talk to him. And then she gets blocked. And I was like, oh, this sucks. But then when she follows him into the bathroom and gives him this crazy, crazy speech, I was like, oh yeah, he's totally going to switch. Like yep. I could tell based on what she said that his, e she poked his ego. Yep, and she poked his ego, and he could tell this guy. But this dude, I could, I don't, I don't want him on the team. He's gonna mess up the team flow, and and well, I guess it's good because he's gonna challenge drama Ted. is conflict. Mm -hmm. That's true. He's gonna challenge Ted. To it's almost like what was the Jamie? It's almost a Jamie sort of situation where Jamie's ego was bigger than the team, and Ted had to work on him and work on him and work on him until he joined the team. And I feel like that's pretty much what they're going to have to do because this guy, at least for what we see, like the fact that he shows up at a press conference for, oh God, it wasn't well, West No, Ham. it's a signing. It's, it's, a, it's sign a signing. It was, it was for yeah, Chelsea. It was for Chelsea. Chelsea. The fact that he knew ahead of time he was not going to sign for Chelsea. He knew that all the way before he shows up on stage. And for him to be that much of a drama queen to like show up, take the pen, pretend he's going to sign, and then be like, psych, I'm really going with this other team, and can I keep the pen? Like, <laughs> who is this guy? Like, well, you know, they said he's, he leaves a, a trail of wins and wreckage wherever he goes. Which know? is why I'm just like, no, don't come on the team. I love my team. Okay, but go ahead. Go ahead. Somebody else talk. Um, I, I don't know um, what you guys said la last week because um, I, I was out, but uh, I, I really I love this episode. The, the the opening episode for this season was I liked it, but for some reason I don't know. There was like something that felt a little off. It didn't quite there was, feel there was a like, lot of setup. Yeah, it was, and it didn't it didn't quite feel like a Ted Lasso episode. This felt like a Ted Lasso episode. This was I was all, all in. Yeah, it was completely fun. All the characters, you know, just just were were there, and I loved I loved all the interactions, the stuff that they had going between um, uh, Roy and Ted Krim, especially. Trent, Trent. Oh, that was good. Trent Krim. Trent Krim. Trent thank Krim. You. Yeah, because um, he pulls out that article. You're just like, oh my god. Yeah. He's been holding on to it since he was 17 years old. <laughs> I mean, wow. some people some people keep you know pictures in of his family wallet. in their wallet. He keeps this, you know, or like like an actor keeps a really great review. No, he keeps this absolutely awful review of himself. When he was so motivated, that's motivation, baby. Yeah, well, it's all about getting angry. So, so this was perfect. But I, I just thought that was that was really nice because he didn't try to defend it. He just said, "Yeah, I, I was a jerk back then, and this was my way of trying to get famous was by finding the worst in people." And they kind of made peace with each other, which I liked. Um, yeah, I did too. So all, all of that was all of that was good, and the stuff going on with Keely and and her extremely cold and not understanding uh uh 
fellow workers See, in her new place. What? Oh my God, they're like robots. Like, what is happening? They don't know what to make of her at all, and, and right. she just has to. And she she has obviously just just begun to to crack the surface when she sees those little uh, snow globes in in mm-hmm. what's her name's office. So it's like, oh, there's there's a person there. There's you know something I can work on. So um, yeah, you see you see all of that happening, and I just I you know just all the characters were were working so well together, and Rupert was once again being utterly hateful, and, <laughs> and since this is supposed to be the last season, I'm looking forward well, to him really finally getting his comeuppance in this. One. My thing about uh, oh god, what is her name? Uh, Rebecca. Why does Rebecca repeatedly try to go head to head with Rupert? Because he is her, he knows every button. And my thing is, she knows he knows all her buttons and she doesn't like brace herself against it. She makes herself vulnerable to every button that he pushes. And every time they go head to head, he makes her feel bad. He makes her look bad. Because and she wants to win. I know, but the not just the wanting to win part, but the the comments that he makes about her being old, the comments he makes about he has to get a new girl. Like I feel like those shouldn't bother her anymore, or like she, or that she knows he's gonna like we know he's gonna say it. She should know he's gonna say it. I don't. I just I don't like her being hurt, and I feel like she should have like some armor against those particular comments because he always makes those comments. Well, I'm hoping and, that that's where know. it ultimately goes. Cause it is, a, it, I wouldn't believe it if, if, you know, she all of a sudden, you know, grew all that armor and understanding. Well, I think it's year, a process. Though. It's yeah. well, we're into the third year. You know, if this was like year eight and she was still doing yeah, I mean, this, I'd have a problem with it. But I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, by the end of this season, that's what we see is this growth where really she finally reaches a point where she realizes what a loser he is. And there's no reason for, for her to, to feel upset about anything he says to her. I did yeah, like, and the, that's my, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Tom. I did like the go moment ahead, Tom. when Trent asks her, are you know, are you doing this just to, to stick it to him? And everybody's like signaling, no, 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 no. And she tells the truth. Yeah. I, I noticed something when I was watching this episode, they've kind of stolen a trope from Charlie Brown because when Charlie what? Brown, they would be doing, they'd be in the middle of a baseball game and then all the players would come up to the pitcher and start talking about other stuff. They do. That's what the locker room is. They, you know, is it true? Is it true? What? That he Zara's coming here? No, that Keely and Roy broke up. And the <laughs> game. And then somebody's like, hey, there's a game going on. We gotta do so I, I just appreciate that a very subtle call out to, to those people who know classic peanuts. But I thought it was funny how everybody was so obsessed with Keely and and Roy. Oh my god. And everybody they got him flowers. He got he got balloons. Like all of that was hilarious. He's like, look, I broke up with her. And everybody's like, no, that can't be true. She's so lovely. You would never do that. <laughs> Why would you do that? This was a really inter- interesting episode for um for Brent. Why can't I think of his last name? Ugh. Yeah. That's the thing. You win a supporting actor Emmy and people still don't remember yeah. your name. But, <laughs> but I thought he got to show a, ra- a range of emotions from, you know, dealing with the interpersonal thing with him and Trent and dealing with the, you know, the group dynamics of this team trying to, you know, it was just kind of fun. Um, 
seeing him get to do a little bit more than just be gruff and growl at people and swear. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody can swear like that, man. <laughs> he's great. Yeah, that's, that was. He's a I like how. I like how intimidating he is. Like, he just growls at people and everybody backs up. Even Trent. Trent was like, uh, he's like, come now. And Trent was like, uh, is he going to kill me in this bathroom? I'd love to see. Somebody used to pair him with Sam Jackson. <laughs> that would be great. You can have a swear off. All right. Let's move on. I think we we're saying definitely thumbs up. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Next up, we're going to talk Lucky Hank. And I'm going to let pe other people talk first because I, I don't want to start off on a negative Nancy uh, thing. So, Allison, what did you think of Lucky Hank starring uh, Bob Odenkirk and show run by uh, Vince Gillian? Gillian. Um, well, I think, you know, if people tune in thinking that they're going to get something uh, either thematically or on the same level as Better Call Saul, they're going to be disappointed because it's not at all the same thing. It's it's uh, a little, you know, it's, it's a very modest little comedy uh, about a professor who works at a, a minor regional college and is unhappy with his job and, uh, and pretty much, you know, is, is misanthropic in general and, and doesn't care for any of the people around him. Um, and, you know, he, he's, he's like doing everything he can to get fired while at the same time really not wanting to to move or do anything about it so he's he's like at odds um and it's i found it to be i found it to be funny um it's not one of those you know fall over laughing kind of things it's just a kind of a warm gentle humor which i appreciated um i thought it was i i thought it was interesting to watch it was nice to see um bob odenkirk in a in a totally different role because he is a wonderful character actor and he embodies this this part really well. Um, and the the pol the politics between him and the other the other professors who are always jockeying for power, even though they don't know what to do with it, um, was as know, evidenced by the vote. Yes, which was vote, hilarious. Why they, they accidentally voted him back in office? Yeah, they go through all oh these gyrations to to get him out of of being chair, and then they end up voting him right back in again. Um, in the space of a day, so was, all of that, that was, was good. that I will give you was funny. That was that, that was, was that was wonderful, and I, I uh, you know, and the things with the the kids um, that he's teaching, uh, the, especially the one really overprivileged little guy who, who asks for criticism and then can't take any of it. Uh, oh my god! You know, all of all of that, I I just thought was was fun, and like I said, it's it's not at all on the same kind of really you know blazing brilliant level that that you, we got from things like like uh better call Saul much less breaking bad but it's it's just a different kind of thing and I'm I'm enjoying it I really do I th I, I really think uh, it's a lovely show I am going to go on the opposite track which is I wasn't expecting it to be better call Saul or breaking bad or anything I, I was open to being whatever it was what I didn't like about it is um, Bob Odenkirk's character, I thought was pretty unlikable. Um, and the kid that starts this whole catastrophe, which asked for criticism and then, like you said, couldn't take it. I thought he was pretty unlikable too. Oh, I think and so, was supposed to be. Yeah. 
And I know, I know they're supposed to be, but I have to have somebody to cheer for. And I'd say right now, the only person I'm slightly cheering for is his wife, who he doesn't particularly treat that well either. Uh, he really takes her for granted. And that made me mad as well. He's like, okay, uh, now that I've got fired, you know, we can follow your career and do what you want to do. And then five seconds later, he's like, never mind. I totally don't want to do that at all. Um, I just found all, all of that made me angry Verse, I didn't find that funny at all. I just, I thought he was a terrible person and I'm not the kind of person that enjoys watching television about terrible per people which hence why I don't like succession, which take that for granted. If you are someone who loves succession, know that I hate succession. So then you can, if you're like, okay, then, you know, take my opinion for what it is, but I have to have somebody that I can cheer for that I can be on their side. And Hank is not that guy. I am not on his side. And I don't think half the stuff he did was funny. I thought it was a lot of it was despicable and just like, he should not have talked to his student that way. And just, uh, and, and I did appreciate that when the student came by and said, you know, you really hurt my feelings because criticism is supposed to be constructive criticism. And what he did was not constructive Yes, the kid asked for criticism, but he destroyed that kid. That's not the same thing. Um, and so I can see, I liked that he at least did try to apologize. But then the kid's like, I'm going to need that in writing. And then I was like, all right. <laughs> I was like, now, now, now you've crossed, like, whatever, dude. Because he got a sincere apology and then pushed it to to the point of, it. now you're the jerk. So... Even if I was trying to sympathize with the kid, he he lost me at that point. I was like, no, no. Well, see, um, my my feelings are. I mean, he, you know, we we watched Better Call Saul, and Saul Goodman was was, I would say, by orders of magnitude, much worse than Hank is. And yet we were true. we were you know still watching him and rooting for him. And even though he was he was really a terrible person. Um, yes, but I was also rooting for him to go to jail. Which he did, so, and I was very happy with him going to jail. So it's not, it's not quite the same thing. Um, well, I don't I, want Hank, that, but Hank hasn't done anything to, to go to jail no, for. But, no, I, but mean, I mean, I think, I think the the point is, is that the show isn't trying to, because this gets me crazy when the the show will present a terrible person and then try to make excuses for how terrible they are, and I don't think what they're doing with Hank is that they're acknowledging no. he's a, he's, he's not yeah. a great guy. He has terrible but, flaws. He is not nice to be with. Um, he think, doesn't like most people and he's driving his wife away. And I think right. that's going to be a part of the, 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 the absolutely. But I find the rest that of the series. there's nothing about this story that I find interesting enough for me to follow. The thing about better call Saul is yes, he's a terrible person, but he was doing interesting things. Hank isn't doing anything interesting. He's teaching a mediocre class to mediocre students in a mediocre place. That's not interesting at all to me. So I'm tapping out. So I'm, I'm, I'm done. Well, but for me, there was enough humor because I there were there were there were points where I definitely did laugh, and I I found I found a lot of it to be funny. Um, so I'm, I'm in, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying it's the greatest show of all time, but it's, it's amusing enough that I, I definitely am with the show. All right, let's move on. So that's a split. Uh, uh, Tom, are you going to watch the show to break this tie? 
I'm going to check it out just because I want to see how authentic it was. I watched the chair, enough of the chair to not realistic it's the ex- it's a it's pretty much the exact same plot as the chair i know oh, well like. not really i i and and i would say that i did not like the chair at all i didn't and, like the chair either and i do like this so no. I, i'll watch it's a, sim- it it's a similar it's a similar inciting event how about that okay well i'll, I'll, I'll check it out just to, if nothing else for the veracity okay. <laughs> all right next up we're gonna talk we're gonna talk the mandalorian and i don't know what number we're on for this one i think four Maybe something. Yeah, uh, it's four. Ugh. Yeah, I think we're at the halfway point. Oh, that's uh, right. They only do eight. Yeah, they only do eight. We're at the halfway point, and so I like Bo-Katan in this episode. The conflict seems small scale compared to where I thought. You know, the story, like where they've set up the story going. I think this particular episode did feel a little small. Because it's like this kid gets kidnapped. We have to save it from a weird dinosaur thing, and that's the whole hour. And well, not the um, entire hour. And by hour, you mean like 30, 30 minutes yes. plus. <laughs> Correct. Uh, what happened other than them trying to save the? Well, kid we, from got, a we got Grogu's, we got Grogu's. We got Grogu's. Oh, Grogu's uh, flashback! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was actually pretty good. I like that. And uh, apparently, everybody was way more excited to see that Jedi than I was because he's from a a game show a kid's game show he's well, a yeah, kid's game show host or something and i was like wait what the, <laughs> the big thing is ahmed best the actor who played him was did the mocap and voice of jar jar binks so it's yeah. his my, my least favorite redemption. character so he finally yeah, gets to play a character who isn't annoying and terrible and just well he didn't yeah, and, yeah well he didn't get much dialogue so he's still you know i I'll, i'm i have nothing against this guy at all so i just I just went online and everybody was losing their mind and I didn't understand. I was like, what's happening? But for, you know, the appearance that he has, we at least understand how Grogu got out of the temple and avoided being cut up during uh, Order 66. So now he's off planet. But we don't know what he did in the intervening years or how he got captured by this other group. We don't know anything now. So I feel like they're going to give us tidbits and flashbacks as because i think what they were trying to show at the end of season two he had repressed all these memories and now he's willing to look at those memories so we're starting to get them which is cool i did like his flashback absolutely um and the while i was watching the episode and the rescue of the kid i was okay but then when i thought about it on a large scale i was like so we just rescued this kid from a dinosaur like that's the episode so i mean plot wise big picture it was very much a standalone-ish kind of episode except that bo-katan has now fully been embraced by the other uh mandalorians she has proven herself to them and I, I think that that was really the main thrust of the episode. I mean, they, I think they could have probably done it in a more interesting way than this this chase after this kid. But I, I think the, what the main idea behind this episode was, was, first of all, Bo, Bo Katan coming into uh, this realization that she had this spiritual experience and trying to convey it to others and also doing something that allows her to be fully embraced by this group 
Um, right. She's she's you know now considered fully Mandalorian again, and uh, I think you know she she has been a leader without followers for a while now, and I think she has just found her new band of followers. So when she wants to try to to free Mandalore again or whatever it is she wants to do, these this is going to be her group. This is they they're going right. to follow her into battle, um, and and part of that is going to be this experience that she's had because it's key that and and she even had the the armorer make her a a, a piece the shoulder piece that had the uh, icon of mythosaur. the uh, mythosaur on it. Yeah. It's key that she's done that because the mythosaur, the, the idea is the mythosaur only will reveal itself to whoever is going to be the leader of, you know, the, the, the new rise of, of Mandalore. And so that's her. Um, and I, so I, I thought that that was, that was interesting. And also the same thing with Grogu when, um, the armorer makes him a new piece of armor and it has the same little icon that uh Din Djarin has so he's part right. of his group he's part of his you know house well, that I always is. I always thought that the chainmail was very limited armor so I like that he now has a breastplate I was like oh cool he has a breastplate now yeah. um and I like that uh they were given that kid we have a new saying Say what you know. What is the saying? Some about no, no, don't say things you don't know or something. And nah, I'm saying it wrong. Um, but it was basically telling this kid that just because uh, Grogu is is little, don't assume you know how, the outcome of this fight. And I like that that he's fully trained. They were like, he can't. How come he doesn't have a helmet on? He can't speak yet. It was like, well, then doesn't that mean he shouldn't be able to fight if he can't even speak yet? And I was like, that is logical. <laughs> <laughs> it's a logical assumption, but he's like, no, 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 he could totally fight. And um, well, they he, don't know yeah, he's he, been trained by by Luke Skywalker for the last two years. So yeah, so that was yeah. all pretty good. Um, so I enjoyed that. I just I felt like the episode just felt a little small. That that's all. That's my overall feeling. I didn't. It wasn't that I didn't enjoy it because I did, but once I stood back and looked at it, I was like, huh. Not that much really happened. So, Tom, you really haven't talked. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, this season isn't blowing me away. I just, I think a little Grogu goes a long way. And when they focus too much, you know, the show's called The Mandalorian, not The Mandalorian's cute sidekick. Well, well, I think Grogu is going to become a Mandalorian, so yeah, that still fits that, him. And that's the other thing. It's just like, and, and will the little baby pterodactyls become Mandalorians too? I mean, I don't know. I think that that's more like dra I feel like that's dragons, more the queen of yeah. dragons. <laughs> it's oh, like, yeah, they uh, the brought them back to be their new ride. Yeah, I think mean, I feel like that's more mother of dragons sort of situation. So, uh, Bo-Katan's uh, channeling her in- inner Khaleesi. Yes, that's pretty much what I feel is happening. Uh, but anyway, I'm not saying it's the greatest episode, but I can't wait for my moth. Gideon to show back up or Seriously. Grand Admiral Thawne to show up. Let's get some let's get some big some big guns. Let's get a good so. villain. Somebody did point out why do they hang out on that beach when freaking dinosaurs have attacked them twice on said beach? Yes, this like, is a planet full of things that are gonna kill you. <laughs> yeah, it's like why would you they were like, We've lost several children. Stop hanging out on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> They're working on their tan. <laughs> <laughs> 
What can we say? <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk finally about the Nevers, the last two episodes, 11 and 12. And the sadness of the show being over, even though it does, it, it feels complete ish. Like it feels like a fully complete season, but they did give us, uh, you know, a little, some little, uh, you know, pieces to be like, Oh, and if we had another season, we deal with this other thing. But for the most part, it did still feel like a complete story. So I'm not like raging at the end. So let's talk about 11 first, which is uh, in this episode, Amalia True has woken up in a bar and her other selves, the one, the Amalia played by, oh, good Lord, uh, Claudia Black and the Baker woman, which I don't even remember what her Mary. name is. Thank you. Uh, so they're in a bar and all three of them are sitting around talking and she's kind of trapped there and they're trying to convince her that she's already dead and she doesn't believe it. And it's just her philosophizing or I'm saying that word wrong, uh, until she figures out how to wake up. So that's her part of the story. But on the outside world, we have the sister in the wheelchair that I don't remember her name either. She's now found the, uh, God, I just saw the I said the alien's name a second ago. The good, good. It's Lavinia, by it? the way, on the, in the wheelchair. Uh, but what's the alien? What's the alien's name? Oh, the Galanthi. Galanthi. I was like the Galoo. Yeah, the Galanthi. Uh, she's got it captured, and they're trying to fill it with bullets and kill it. And at the same time, uh, crazy lady shows up. That woman's also name is Mary, right? Malady. No, Malady. Gam with the M. I was close. Uh, she shows up to fight them. They have a big battle. And then wheelchair woman, you just told me her name. Lavinia. Lavinia. I knew that. She <laughs> escapes with her life, runs into her brother thinking he's going to help her. I don't know why she was thinking he was going to help her because she just committed him to an insane asylum five minutes ago. <laughs> and so instead of helping her, he takes his tie and strangles her to death. Very calmly, I might add. Very calmly. In a way, it was so creepy the way he did that, where I was just like, so you have some pent-up anger. <laughs> um, so, he, yeah, so she, she's dead now, and it's just like, ugh. It made me not like him a lot. Well, they building he, up to it with those little flashbacks, flashbacks. to their childhood, yeah. making you think, you know, there's – because they, 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 they were very lean on context, and right. all, all we know is he did something, he pushed her, and that's how she ended up in the wheelchair. Correct. Um, but, and he's always been racked with guilt about it. Yes, yeah, so you she's assume taken it was it... just an accident, but maybe not. Yeah. And maybe her freak out about him and the birds was real. Because yeah. that's how serial killers start. They start taking apart animals. And so maybe that's been in him the whole time he is not the good guy he i think he thinks he's a good guy but i don't really think he's a good guy yeah so uh something that, that would really... have been explored in season two which we're never <laughs> gonna get and then you have the big victory uh in parliament where there was a law that was going to come down to keep the touch from congregating more than two or three in one place 
And so that would mean the orphanage would have to be shut down and they do this big and impassioned speech and they win. Yay. And then they go home to celebrate and there's a big party. But at the same time, you've got that, uh, the super rich guy who's obviously evil goes to the criminals and is like, okay, now's the time attack. And so you have the buildup of the tension of, of these, these purists who are arming themselves and headed towards the, um, the orphanage while they're celebrating their political victory. They're now about to be killed. And wow, that's crazy. I'm gonna let you talk for a minute, Allison. what do you think so far? Okay, well, the the you know the whole attack thing, um, I thought was was very well handled. It was it was very well shot. Um, you know, the whole time that they're gathering outside, I thought, well, how how threatening could they possibly be? They're they're arming themselves against with little sticks and things against people with superpowers. And then of course right. the Galanthi either dies or almost dies. We you know I know we have a, a uh, we haven't figured that out yet. Um, and suddenly everybody loses their superpowers and now they are extremely vulnerable. And that's when the attack and outnumbered and yeah. way outnumbered. And it yeah. is just, it is just a, a bloody, mess. bloody mess. Yeah. Like, people... um, yeah, it was and, not good. Um, I, I, it was, it was a, it was an extremely well done scene. I mean, the, the tension just gets ratcheted up yeah. really, really well. And Amalia is, is out for the count for part of this because, She's well, she gets back her... in time for the battle, though. She, she gets back in uh, not at the very beginning of the battle. She, she oh, she yeah, to... she shows up at the end. Right, yeah, right, right. she's like you know she's the other side of town. Um, so she she does manage to get there, but and and um, throughout all of this, there's that the the bit where um, I think we we talked about before uh, <laughs> the, the entity that that we only know as mother. Um, and again, another thing that we're never going to find out about because that would have been for season two. <laughs> that, uh, that's been talking to, through the phone lines. Yes, right. talking through the phone lines and specifically to the, the crazy mad scientist. And now apparently, from the best that I could gather, has managed to get inside the um, the girl. Oh, God, I'm, I'm blanking on her name now. But the one who does who speaks in all the different languages. Uh, Myrtle. I don't Myrtle. think... I didn't um, think it got inside of Myrtle. That's it that's, got inside. No, that's what I got was that it got. No, no, no. It, it took over the guy. It took over the guy and burned him out. Oh, and well, then that, it, that was first. Yeah. But then yeah, that think, happened first. I think it managed or at least part of it managed to establish itself in Myrtle because Myrtle's the one who what, she goes to the Galanthi and manages to infuse it with some kind of power. That's when it levitates up in the air and and yeah but that was good that was good power the guy it reaches the galanthi and it sucks its power out and that makes it weak and everybody loses their power but what myrtle gives it is good power it had nothing to do with mother it was her own it was something else at least that's what i remember well the the in in anyway, but the, we we do manage to to lose a bunch of people in the battle, but most people seem to get their powers back. If you're alive at the end, you you get your powers back. That that seems to be it. <laughs> and, and and it gave it, and then it gave power to even more people. Because and even more, more exactly, which yeah. Amalia thinks is absolutely wonderful. Because now there'll be more people who 
have the touch and and you know it'll it'll make people more equal and that kind of thing but penance looks at it a different way she doesn't see it as some kind of blessing or or something she sees it as an invasion and and i think now that she really right now that she really saw the galantry for for itself and fully understands that it's like an alien from the future she's like wait it's been manipulating us this whole time and so yeah so she sees it as a negative yeah well also also i think it, it goes to their their own belief systems too because Amalia um, comes from this future and she she really doesn't have any particular religious beliefs other than, you know, protect the Galanthi, uh, which borders on on a religion. And then we have Penance, who we know is very religious. You know, she's she has a you know, she's she's um, Catholic, I think, and and very religious that way. And so when she sees the Galanthi do this thing that would be expected of a godlike figure. I think that's when she gets, you know, that's when she really gets angry because she sees it as, as something pretending to be God. And, right. and so it offends her on that level. Right. And so she's not happy about it. And then they get into a big fight and then she retreats to her, her studio or her, her little study. And then the dude is there and she's like, Oh my God, you're the only one I can trust. And we cut to black. And I was like, <laughs> really? So that was, that felt a little abrupt. But it did give you the big, you you have Amalia super happy looking at the sky as as the particles fall, and so that's really kind of the last image. Um, but yeah, that's the end of the show. Yeah, it's it's and well, we do get one other thing with Myrtle um, walking down uh, the street whistling um, "I'll be seeing you." Uh, which won't be written for another 50 years, but okay. Um, yeah. Uh, since she, she seems to be, uh, you know, possessed by the mother, and I guess mother would know that song, even if she doesn't. Yeah. But now she she's seems, from the future. Exactly. Yeah, and now she that. seems to have the power to turn lights on and affect electricity because um, the lights keep going on wherever she's walking. So that's what we missed that. That was the very last thing that happened. And then it faded to black. I must have missed that some kind of way. I don't know. All right. Well, let's talk. Let's we got we let's move on. We've got one more show to talk about, which is Shadow and Bone has returned for season two. And we're going to talk about the first two episodes. Uh, Tom, did you watch it at all? Nope. You just you're not. Did you not watch season one? Uh, Just got back from vacation. (laughs) <laughs> but so you will be watching Shadow I will be watching it but yeah okay alright cool so the first two episodes of Shadow and Bone are pretty much uh, set up to let us know I mean there's a time a little bit of a time jump from season one but not that much uh, I'd say maybe a few weeks have gone by because they were on a ship and by the time this, this season starts they they are getting off that ship so however long it took to travel, I'm not entirely sure how long that was, but we're now wherever they're trying to be. And I have to say, I was like in the end of last season when you had both groups together as one working as a team. And now that you've split them back up to them doing their separate stories, I, again, am not a big fan of the criminal storyline. Those guys like, oh, come on. I don't care as much as because the scope 
of what they're doing is so small. And the leader of that group is kind of annoying because he keeps everything a secret. He won't share with his team. I don't even understand why they're loyal to him anymore. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of that story. But then you have the story with Alina Starkoff and what she's trying to do. At least I understand the scope of what she's going for, what she's trying to do. And I like that we're in a different area of the world. We get different a different culture and how the societies work in the different areas. I think that part is interesting to me. So, And I like the second episode much better than the first. Um, Allison, your thoughts? Um, well, you know, I think there's there's a fundamental problem structurally with the story is because what they've done um there's there's shadow and bone and then there's another set of books which are called uh the the six of hearts or something like that um so that's the that's the street guys and those that's the street guys and and the thing is the the those those two books have very little to do with each other and they took them to and put them together and, yep. and they work great on the show when they are together. I, I like you. I like the dynamic between these two groups. I think that they play off each other really, really well. And, and that, that's terrific. Unfortunately, their source material is separate. And so, it, you know, they they have to keep going back to this source material. And, and that's where we have this problem with the groups separating and doing their own things now i i like um the uh Kazbrecher's group i I, th- I think they're interesting on their own my expectations for what they're accomplishing and what their story involves is necessarily going to be smaller because they're just talking about how the, you know their lives and they're mad about and, their neighborhood and, yeah their yeah, neighborhood and what and... they control and that kind of thing and and all of that so so that's fine for that level of story and I guess because once I found out it was two different books, my expectation when I see their group is is just different. So I'm I'm willing to go with that because I do like the characters and I like their interaction. I like all the characters except the leader guy. I don't like him. Well, I think you're you know the the he's he's a difficult character. He's supposed to be. He's he he doesn't want. I mean, he wears those gloves all the time because he literally physically doesn't want to touch anybody, and he holds everybody at a distance. So he's, I think he's deliberately difficult and part of the story yeah, but is breaking. I don't down. under, I don't understand why they would follow him. You know what I'm saying? Like at this point, they, they trust that de- he knows what he's doing. I know. None I of the rest that. of the I, under, I, I understand the talkie points, like when they say it, but I don't feel it. Hmm. If that makes sense. Because I don't so. think any of the rest of them have any leadership skills. So they just kind of stick around. But, um, but yeah, the, the main story, you know, um, I think, it's it, the when they separate the groups it's not as interesting although what i do like in in this is the introduction of the new character the the pirate the pirateer yeah he's not a pirate he's a, he's he's private, a, private he's a privateer not a pirate yeah yes um, what is the difference he's like Sturm, i have the, a license the Sturmhund, the Sturmhund. <laughs> um yes and he's 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 a a fascinating character and uh, i like the actor who plays him i think he brings a whole uh, lot yeah. of charisma to the role agreed. agreed uh certainly more than her boyfriend does oh my god snooze guy yeah oh god that's that's see that is the that is the problem for me with this particular show i think most of these roles are extremely well cast with the exception of her boyfriend her uh, yeah. uh mal 
um, who's supposed to be, you know, just this this loyal he's, and romantic. And he's super and, great, and, super great tracker. But I'm supposed to believe that they're a couple, and I don't really. I care don't at all. If they're no. A couple. no, and and he's just not very. He doesn't have a lot of charisma. He's not that terribly interesting. Um, so it's it's just and kind he's of a not. Shame. And honestly, he's not so pretty that I don't care. He's not that, uh, for me. He's not at all pretty. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I'm I'm. It's sort of unfair to compare him to someone like Ben Barnes. It's like I don't care if you're evil. You're gorgeous. Come here. Um, <laughs> and he's very evil. He is he's, very he's, evil. Yeah, the dream sequences that they have have made that have kept that story alive and made that interesting because they keep invading each other's dreams. Mm -hmm. And as far as I can tell, those dreams are relatively real. Like they are really having those conversations. Yeah, they're linked so to each other. They're linked. So, yeah. And I think that that's really kind of cool. So that part really works. And then when we see him collecting other geisha around him to to serve him again, uh, but what I like now is that they're not super loyal like they were before. Now they're just kind of scared of him. Um, For good reason. And I think that that, I, I know, but I think that that's an interesting dynamic. They're not loyal because they want, before they believed him and his almost saint-like persona. Now they're just terrified of him. Yeah. Well, so I, they're I following him for a different reason. I think there's a hardcore group of, of you know, true believers that don't i mean they're just with him he could do the most evil thing in the world and they're totally with it because you know they're just at the same level he is but i think beyond that little handful at the top yeah the rest of them are following him because they're terrified at this point right so i'm in i'm gonna keep watching we'll talk the next two episodes next week um but yeah i mean it was. It took me a minute to get into it because it's been so long since season one. So I had to like, even though I did watch a recap and all of that, it still took me a second to kind of get back with what I felt about these characters. And um, and I so I felt the first episode was hard for me, and then the second episode I was like, oh right, this is why I like this show. Okay, cool. So, yay! <laughs> I, I think we're giving it thumbs up. So Definitely yep. thumbs up. All right. So if you guys have any questions or comments, leave them at tvcampfiregmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. We're on Facebook. You can listen to us on sci-fi.radio, Six Degrees in Geek, of Geek, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye.